You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I think I'm still, like, my head is still swimming from, oh, just one more. Oh, just because that, that's the part that didn't make it onto the podcast with who we're about to speak with. And, and it's good. It's been a while since we've added to the Legacy Podcast series. And, and, and you, it's kind of a guy you don't think of in the, in the Legacy series, I guess, of, of podcasts that we've done. Because he's not somebody that you go, oh, he's been in the industry a long time. Because he hasn't been with some one winery for for like one all all along. Like you can think of all the guys that we've talked to, and they've yep. had one winery, they've been yep. an owner, whatever. Yeah. This guy has been with 12, 13, 12. 14. Twelve was the final count. But he's he's getting more. He's putting more under his belt. And, yep. and we're talking about Andre Lipinski. And yep. we were so thrilled to sit down with him at the winery at Big Head. We drank a lot of wine, so I hope we're understandable. Because if you're tasting with Andre, he's got 41 products. And he wants you to taste every single one. This is what we're, this is what we're waiting for. This is how every podcast should begin. Yeah. Here we go. We're waiting. There, there we, we go. go. That's what every podcast should start like. I, I couldn't agree more. Andre, we are here with... Uh, we're, we outnumber you today. Yeah, there are. this is Andre <laughs> squared uh, versus me, I guess. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to have uh, Andre Lipinski with us today, who has been in the Ontario wine industry for how long? Well, I, I started 94 at Vineland Estates, so 25 years. 25 years, so it's 25 oh, this, years. It was with the gold... Uh... Listen, that, no, it's your silver. No, no. Gold is 50. Oh, silver yeah. is 25? I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, no. I think it's 25. Yeah. It's silver. silver. If anybody, yeah. anybody knows, let us know. How yeah. about that? Okay, so I'm going to try to keep a running total of all the wineries that you've worked for, because it feels like you've worked for most of the wineries it feels in, that way. in Niagara. But So Vineland is the first place you worked. Yeah, Vineland, then De Sousa... Legends, Fielding, Megalomaniac, Foreign Affair, uh, Cornerstone, Burning Kiln, of, of course, Organized Crime Winery, mm-hmm. Culinary Winery, yeah. and this is it, that's it, and you get and then, and then your own project, finally, yeah, this yeah. is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I think we tried with a with a past guest to try and guess how many you had worked at, and I don't think we got to that many. So, yeah. so we try to keep these more longer form interviews down to an hour, so that gives us about four minutes or five minutes per winery to talk about. Well, <laughs> I, this is for me, you know. Uh, I work many wineries. They they approach me to, to, to make wine for them, and uh, this is a good experience for me. Good learning process, of course. Uh, using different area of, of the fruit, because I work you know on a bench, like on the lake, and uh, different area to buying grapes for the for the wineries. Also at the uh, Simcoe area. This is yep. the the what they call north. Oh, south, south, south coast, coast, south coast. South, south coast. Yeah. Yes. They're starting, so they're starting to come up with a name for that. Well, yeah. That's what they've called it now, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Who knows if that's what it's well, going to be officially? Maybe, maybe, what, maybe one question that I can we can start to kick this off with is: uh, so you're from Poland, right? Yes. 
Um, I visited Poland in, in January. They don't grow grapes in Poland, and the grapes they grow, the, the sommeliers at the restaurant say they're not very good for wine. Well, so how do you get into wine coming from Poland well, to Niagara? <laughs> so I didn't know anything about the wine when I came to, to Canada. And uh, the only what I have connection with wine, the city where I come from, every year was grape and wine festival in that city. Uh, this is the called town Girona Gura, which means Green Mountain, close to German border, and uh, the closest river is the, I mean, Odra River. It's the second largest river in Poland. And uh, but for before Second World War was the part of Germany. Before that was Poland. The border wall always were changing, and uh, a few hundred years ago, one of the Polish you know, magnate, whoever was, you know, in that area, he brought the grapes to that area. And uh, there was wine industry over there for a few hundred years. Hmm. But after, when there was socialists, they destroyed the vineyards. Now, after 89, they put back. Okay. That's all small wineries. Now you have, a, I would say, over 100 wineries in, in, in Poland. Really? Okay. And I didn't uh, see that coming. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see that coming either. <laughs> Actually, West Poland, where I come from, is about over 20 wineries right now, but very small, uh, family-owned. And they, last year, yeah, last year or no, year before, they planted 400 hectares of yeah. grapes in, in Poland. What are the grapes that they're they're planting? Do you know? This is uh, pretty much uh, vinifera. Okay. The same Pinot Noir, Riesling. Okay. Uh, I'm Chardonnay, uh, Cabernet Franc. Has anybody reached out to you and said, come back home? And <laughs> No, I, I visited those wineries, but they're very small. They're still in, still in the process when we were probably 30 years ago. Maybe mm. okay. And uh, the other climate is much better than here to grow oh. grapes. Okay, Poland is not... They think it's cold. It's not really east. No, it's... Yeah. They, they, they have a four seasons over there. Okay. The spring, usually March, April, the same like uh, France. Oh, in France. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I thought you were going to say here, which yeah, we have no. not seen spring no, yet. No, so. no, Over there, yes. We, we, they already, in, I remember back in Poland, uh, in the summertime, what is, is, is better over there, I would say, the sunlight is much longer. Oh, okay. All right. 3 a.m. in the morning, it's only sunlight. And then June, July. It was, it was really weird. When, yes. So we were in Warsaw in January, yeah. and the sun was going down at 3 in the afternoon. Well, at that time. And, and yeah, because yeah. so in winter, like the, yeah. we, we think we get short yeah. days here. Yes. Like It was way shorter, yeah. way shorter there. But the summer, the much longer is sun. Oh, the longer days. The longer days, yes. And the weather was warmer than you thought, because you start to picture Poland yes. as like the, the gateway to Eastern Europe. No. And we were, Anya and I, we were prepared to freeze our balls off. But and Anya's the already done that. Okay, thanks, Michael. Yeah. But, the, but the weather, the weather, the weather's quite. The weather's actually quite nice compared to here in January. We yes, were, yes. It was around zero degrees. Like yeah. we didn't get the cold, yeah. cold. No, they don't have it. And it's lots on the south, the mountains, and the lots of wineries over there. Actually, one of the area over there they call small Tuscany there. Huh. Okay. Yeah, and uh, we had visitors <laughs> over here from France, and they said they went to Poland because they, they heard that I'm Polish, and they had some wines, and they said it's pretty good. No. 
All right. These so were absolutely get... not the answers to that question. Yeah. That no, I was <laughs> expecting. But everybody heard the uh, the little the little pop at the beginning. What uh, what do we have in the glass, Andre? What is this? Um... So this is our well, this this is unvintage. This is two thousand. I mean, thirteen and fourteen together. So it's unvintage. It's hundred percent Pinot Noir, traditional method, and uh, all our wines we're doing natural fermentation here. So this was natural fermented. Second, because you know. We have to add sugar and yeast to ferment in a bottle. This spent 42 months on the lease. We number our label for how long it's on the lease. Because okay. We have our own... Uh, so two, month, two, month, two months on the lease in 42, the barrel? 42. 42, 42, sorry. So the fermentation first was... Uh, alcohol fermentation uh, was in a barrel. So it spent three months, each vintage. Then we plant in 2015, we put in tirage. And this was disgorged a couple of months ago, and uh, now we're going to disgorge again. Actually, it was because we put in tirage in May. So, yeah, so when the day was disgorged, it was 42 months. I know when you speak to a lot of winemakers, um, doing indigenous ferments is a bit of a risk and a bit of a challenge to get things to, to finish. When you're, when you're harvesting sparkling wine, you're obviously pulling your fruit out a little bit earlier, so more acid and less sugar. Is there a challenge to get these wines to ferment properly? Of course. It's, you know, this is when you talk with the uh, some winemakers, they said it's crazy, you know, it's, and especially we're doing so many different varieties mm -hmm. that you have to control everyone. So my investment first was to, to buy mm -hmm. good equipment for the, to, to checking the, 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 during the, the fermentation or uh, after uh, all the wines, so we, we have a, enough of us, we can check in 90 seconds sample, so we can check every barrel if we need it, and uh, so we can be on the top right away. Uh, so, special for the new is not many winers even, you know, have a much more investment and that don't have that equipment, but for me it was very important. So what, uh, we're in this long list of wineries that, that we have, which are 11, Andre, is that correct? Yep. Yeah, okay. So in this list of wineries, did you start dealing with, with wild fermentation or natural fermentation? Culinary. I started. 2000, actually, my first wine, what I did for myself, was 2011 Chenon Blanc. Okay. And I did that natural fermented. Okay. So when you say you make, made that for yourself, was that the first big head wine? or was Yes. It, well... In 2000, because I was the, the, the guy between the winery and the grower also. Yeah. To, to buying, to make wine for, for the, each winery. And uh, I had access to Chenon Blanc, and Chenon Blanc, you know, is very, I mean, it's, it's, it's about five acres now yeah. in, 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 in Ontario. And uh, uh, we, I have access to a little bit over four, and about three quarters of acre has uh, uh, rife. Okay. And that's it. And uh, Rick Smith actually planted that grape for Binance States. And the first vintage we did for Binance States, I believe, was 1998. Um, yes, no, 99. So, and uh, uh, so after I was working there, when I left Binance States, Brian didn't want to make that much. Mm -hmm. He asked me if I want to take 50% of that fruit. So each winery I was working, I was trying to make Chenon Blanc for them. Okay. Oh. And 2011, just before the harvest, Brian picked already his his portion. Yep. 
and I was always speaking a little bit later. Yeah. And the one of the winery said, well, just before harvest, said, I don't want any grapes. So what, what are I going to do with it? I, I can say to growers that, you know, sorry, I cannot take it. Yeah. Now you have to find a buyer. Especially, you know, I know that fruit is, was, you know, very important, you know, for me also, that it's not much access to that. So I, that's why I bought myself. And I said... And that's, well, that's where you went, natural fermentation? Natural fermentation. And uh, I did that wine at Colonnery. And uh, that time uh, I didn't have much money. So I bought the fruit, I made the wine, and after I sold bulk wine to Colonnery, some, mm -hmm. and I kept it for myself, six, uh, 60 uh, cases, so three barrels. Yep. And it was, I was very remember, you know, that was actually was a gold medal also at the Canadian Wine Awards. Yep. No, I, re I remember tasting that wine. It was yeah, very impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. It was naturally fermented in the barrels, and it was it was beautiful. Last, every year I have some potritis from Chenin Blanc, which Chenin Blanc is usually neutral, not much heavy flavors, but yeah. that potritis give you that flavor. Okay, it's funny. That, okay, so, yes, it's the potritis that like, gives it the flavor. Because, I, I mean, it's really interesting to hear your relationship with Chenin, uh, mm -hmm. because I, I know that Big Head is well-known for... A lot of things, but the wine that pops up on wine lists in Toronto that seems to be most often is the Chenin Blanc. Yeah, the, this is actually our number one wine seller. I mean, as a white. Yeah. Because you're uh, saying that, but all people coming here because the reds. Yes. But of course, we're doing the Chenin Blanc, and uh, we're pretty much now. Uh, after two years ago, I to hold that vineyard, so Brian doesn't make it anymore, okay. by nine states, yep. so I'm, I have access to whole vineyard. So. Now, now on our drive over, Andre. Yep. The, I, I mean, the question that I had is, why do we not see more Chenin Blanc in Ontario? Well, the, if you remember, uh, also Cape Springhead, okay. Chenin yep. Blanc, and after 2011, they pulled out. Yeah. It was escarpment, and um, actually I talked with Angelo, and he said, now, they have uh, different vineyard managers. They thinking maybe we should plant it. Yeah, and I think we'll do very well here. Of course, you have uh, some spots that anything would do very well over there. Yeah. So maybe they planted in the wrong wrong spot. But uh, uh, Niagara Lake, uh, even it was 13, 14, very cold winters. Of course, they last some. But they always have some crop. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so Shannon does winter pretty well. But if the young vines, of course, they are not established, and they, you know, if you plant at the wrong time, that you have all those yep. winters after very very cold winters, any grape wouldn't probably survive. Correct. But after time, they they kind of, you know, get a little bit stronger, and uh, they're doing pretty good. So. I, let's let's go back again to this list. This list just blows my mind. Yeah, me too. So. Um, I don't think there's any other winemaker that's worked in this many places in Ontario. What, why did you hop around? Over 25 years, you went to 11 wineries. Was there a reason for it that you no. wanted well, different experiences? Or? Well, and it was different relation with the different uh, owners. The, some of them decided they want to have just, because I was working for many wineries, four or five wineries at a time. And... Uh, I couldn't say no to anybody. <laughs> it's very true. They asked me, I said, sure, I can help you. No, no, no. 
And uh, for me, it was also kind of a learning experience. Okay. And uh, so, and uh, so, and I said I, I could do it. Uh, you know, it was a long day sometimes, but uh, why not? And uh, but after a couple of years, you know, they want to have own winemaker, or because I was working for another winery and making this kind of the same wines, they didn't like that. That's why we we separate. And uh, so it was many different reasons. Okay. Never was really that I want to quit because that, that usually most, maybe one winery, but most were, there was their decision. And uh, I said, okay, I understand, you know, you're doing, this is their business and uh, that's why I was going. So we'll head back. So where, so obviously over from Poland, you started Vineland. What gets you into, what gets you in the door at Vineland and makes you want to make wine? Well, I never. When I was when I emigrated to Canada, I would never my mind that I'm going to be winemaker making wine. And <laughs> I am car mechanic back from Poland. My father was mechanic, so I, I did the same what he done it, you know, for a living. And uh, I have a four sisters and brother. My father loved playing accordion, and he teach us all. My siblings teach playing on the instrument, and. Uh, of course, you know, after the war, you know, he couldn't go to school, so he was playing just, you know, sometimes weddings, but the first main job was the truck driver and the mechanic. And it was just on the weekends and uh, for, for, for weddings and stuff like that. And uh, so he, he loved that and he tried to, to pass to us, to, you know, and in Poland, accordion was very, very popular mm -hmm. instrument. And uh, so I, I learned that, but I wasn't very talented. <laughs> so I went to... But you were a good mechanic. But I always worked with him as a mechanic. Uh, I mean, helping him even pass his wrench because he, every time he come home and uh, that time the, the, all those trucks, especially, you know, Easter Black, they were not very reliable. So he always has to do, fix them. And uh, so I was always helping him. And, but my brother was very talented. He actually he finished academy music in Poland, and uh, and uh, he was third on the world on accordion. Oh, wow! Third in the world. Wow. Yes, yes, in Munich. So, but um, so when uh, I came to Canada, my brother emigrated. Actually, this that brother emigrated first uh, to Canada, '84. And, uh, and I want to change also. I asked him what I can do over here. He said, well, you as a tractor, you can you know, work as a mechanic or driving truck, but you have a family, you won't be away. Uh, he was working also a little bit here, uh, not just playing, but also on the construction. Like any immigrant, you do the job what is was available. You try to kind of suit and to, mm. to put bread on the, on the table for your family. And, uh, you know, I had already family in Poland. And uh, so when I came 89, two years later came my family. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when he invited me here, uh, we couldn't afford it to come with whole family. So I came first, did all the immigration papers, and uh, two years later my, my wife and two kids came. So and uh, I work whatever was job available and I work in a greenhouse, I work uh, on the construction, and happens that 
uh, I work with one gentleman, which my buddy used to work with him occasionally, you know, just when he was not school and uh, in the summertime and uh, even job. And uh, he called him and he said, you know, my buddy came, you know, if, if you need any help, he, he's, you know, he needs a job. So he was the, the, the mason, you know, the, the bricklayer, and uh, he actually did uh, all the stonework for John Howard, oh, his house. Okay. Okay, the, the, the little castle up the there. The castle up there, okay. yes. And, uh, and John, in 91, he wants to do some addition, like pound, you know, all those trees <laughs> we planted, the patio with it, the bridge with it, together mm -hmm. with that guy. And uh, in 92, John bought Vineland Insects. And I was working just for John, you know, on the weekends and evenings, because I had another job. And, um, and if you remember, 93 summer, when he bought... Uh, the carriage house burned down in the summertime. Okay. It had special, you know, special events yeah. in the building. And I did the renovation with that, gen that gentleman, all the stonework, you know, and renovated that building in 93 summer after burning right away. And, uh, and after it was 93, 94, it was very strong winter. Okay. Not much to construction. I asked them if they need help at the winery. And this is how I started. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. So you get it. You get into the cellar, uh, and and you. Yeah, you, I worked with Brian. Yep. Brian, and uh, you know, if they had problem with the people. They didn't want to stay working longer hours. You know, the local people, and um, you know, in 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 the wine industry, the grape coming. You know, you need, you need to you know do the do the job, and there's always problem. They they couldn't find the people, and uh, so for me, I need a job. So. I work seven days a week if you need it, and uh, long hours, and uh, they like that. So the, the story I heard, and you can confirm or yeah. deny this, but at some point, uh, somebody at Vineland said to the people working in the cellar, why don't you all try and make some wine and see, you know, uh, if it's any good. And yeah. it turns out that yours was always the best of all the wines that, that were made. That's the story I heard. Well, I don't know the best, but... The uh, in '98, Ryan, you know, and it was me and was another uh, seller, uh, person was Jeff Innes. And uh, we did the, he chose, he, Brian said, you can do any whites, uh, you know, whatever you want to choose, wine from, from white grape, but not so much rest because it wasn't much available at that time. Okay. And of course, it was for, uh, for him, it was risky, you know, and he said, you're responsible. This is your decision, what you want to do. You choose the vineyard from where you want to take it. So I, Jeff uh, chose Riesling and I chose Chardonnay. I want a little bit different Chardonnay that they were doing already at the vineyard. Uh, we'd never done a barrel fermented Chardonnay over there. We did fermentation in tank and after we put in a barrel, it was aging the barrel. So I did actually barrel ferment. I chose the vineyard was from Roman Prodakiewicz, the Rosemel Vineyard, actually. Okay. His, his oh. vines were quite old. Which which vines? Rosemel. Rosemel. Okay. Mm, yeah. Which now own Hidden Bench. Okay. okay. He's still named the same, you know? Yeah, Rosemel. still Rosemel Vineyard at Hidden Bench. Yeah. yeah. He still does that. Yes, on, on uh, just between Beamsville and Vineland. And uh, yeah, there was, I did 200 cases, eight barrels, and there was. That's quite a bit of wine to, to start with, just being set loose in a yeah. in a cellar. Yeah, I remember because I was just 
pay attention to that wine. I want to make the best, of course. Yeah. And uh, well, they said the best of the hands. The, yeah, that's what, 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 yeah, what, yeah, what, what I can do. Yeah, you what know? you can. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. It wasn't the best wines. I didn't know if it was the best wine in the in the winery. I just heard it was no, the best yeah. of everybody who was there yeah. make, making yeah. that wine. You yeah. seem so, to have a, a, a real a real knack for making yeah. the wine. So that's so the I only play pay attention to every detail. I pretty much touch every batch. There we hand pick, then we had the crew to pick that, but after every crate, because they wouldn't put in a big bin, we put in a big a small baskets. Okay. And I sorted from each one. I remember I spent, you know, all day to do that. You were and the original sorting machine. Well I was sorting because we didn't have a sorting table, so I had to do that from one basket to put another basket. Wow. And uh, each each bunch. And then, uh, yeah, and turn, you know, I choose the barrels, which one I want to use it. And uh, after, you know, tasting that, I'm showing very well. And uh, yeah, then, then they send it to Vin Italy in, uh, in 1988, 1999, we bought 2000. And I received double gold, which was, you know, a big success. Well, yeah, that's pretty good. And I remember that we started $48 a bottle. And after a few months, it was $95 a bottle. It was probably the most expensive white wine in Canada at that time. Wow. Okay. So, wow. So, yeah, I, I heard that story, and um, I just wanted to make sure that that was, that was true. So it's even, even more... That is a great story on how you get started in the, in the, in the winemaking part. So you, you've been to Vineland. When does your time at Vineland end? And 2002. Okay. And I get offered... I already was doing the head of opera work at the Sousa, his VQA wines. Mm -hmm. So I did 2001, and that wasn't the best year to start it. Yeah. You know, for what reason? The oh, yeah. ladybug. And it was awful that time. I remember, like, you know, even you tried the grape you have with ladybug, because it was just covered. And was it just the reds from 2001, or did no, the ladybugs kill everything? Well, well, at that time, but, like, we didn't know how everything. to deal with that, yeah. and uh, and uh, you know the ride up after was not very good. And uh, but what I heard uh, everywhere they had problem. Yeah, that it pretty much in, in France, you know, in, in Europe, in, in the States, huh. and that. But you know, here we get and all the wines were pretty much garbage. You know, we couldn't salvage them. So how long how long were you at the Susan? I've been in 2007, but it was just part-time okay. kind of job. And uh, so the, the, the main job, I started at Legends, okay. 2002, and I started from, from scratch. Oh, so they were, they were just a nascent winery? Yeah, and they will just have a, a you know, barn, and uh, so they asked me what they need you know, to set up winery and uh, what the equipment they need, so I pretty much, you know, tell them what to buy it. and. Uh, and uh, that one was very successful too. And uh, we got lots of awards in Vinitalia again from Chardonnay, the Sante, if you remember the, the taste. Oh, the, Sante, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. got the chosen as, because they chose about 10 wines yeah. from all those international, and mm -hmm. you know, we get for Chardonnay as well. And uh, I remember Tony Asper said this is, the, the, he chose the best white and the best red. He chose that Chardonnay. Okay. And uh, from uh, from legends, and um, so you, so you're mostly known as a you're known as a Chardonnay at this time. You're known as a Chardonnay maker, but then yeah. at some point you switch to a everybody starts knowing you as Riesling. 
I think that's when you get the fielding, isn't it? Every research well, no also the uh, legends they get the, the best reasoning in Kenyan um, wine awards. Okay. You know, uh, David. Oh, the wine, uh, the wine access at that time. Right, yeah. that time wine, wine access. The Canadian wine awards. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they choose as a reasoning also. Okay. So yeah, you were, you were known for Chardonnay and and Riesling. Yeah. So. And uh, but legends we had. Very good reds also. Yeah. 2002 was great, great vintage, yeah. and it was easy to make yeah. that that year. So and uh, so Pinot Noir also was 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 actually successful over there, and uh, and of course after went to Legends, and uh, yeah, people were saying that the more I know the whites, okay, and uh, but at. Big head is complete opposite. It's, yeah, it's completely. It's, yeah. it's made a big flip. So then, from legends, you go to fielding. I think you start. You start there. You're their first winemaker. There. Yes. Yeah. Fielding started from the scratch, uh, 2004 and 2005. Okay. I did wine for them. Also, they built the building. I remember we were crashing. We had no walls and uh, no roof. Of course, uh, the wine was freezing. It was just was ice, pretty much ice cube inside okay. in the tanks. It was natural co-stabilization there. You know. Okay. So, so you, you help fielding get started, and then obviously you, you, you helped John Howard. Uh, yeah, John, uh, when he moved from Vineland, he sold his share and uh, opened Megdomaniac. You know, he asked me also to make wine for him. And also we started from scratch. Yeah. Uh, we went together to France to buy our equipment. And, uh, Did and you also make wine in France for his property there? No, or? no. no. He bought this later. Okay. Yeah. All right. And Megalomaniac, what year is this? I'm just trying to from 2004 to 2007. Got it. So then okay. you, you move on from there and you end up at uh, Foreign Affairs. The next one on the list. Foreign Affairs. Uh, 2006. I started at the same time and organized crime. Okay. The same year. The same year. Yes. I remember visiting you in three places yeah, in that, that yeah, year. Yeah. It was like I walk in the door and there's Andre again. Yeah. Because you know, <laughs> so they, that, they would that... just phone up and go, "Come and meet our winemaker." And you walk in the door and there's Andre again. You're like, "Okay, enough." So was that the start? So the foreign affair and organized crime. Were you the first winemaker at both of these places? Yes. Okay. The same Melgomaniac and. Uh... Okay, so if there is another winemaker that has worked as many places as you have, there certainly aren't as many winemakers who have been the, the starting the starting lineup for all, uh, the, this many wineries. Yeah, and Oscar's Burning Kiln started up. Yeah, Burning Kiln, they start from zero. And the, that Culinary. Year, culinary, yeah. yeah. So Culinary, that is? 2008 yeah. to 2018. Okay. And, and then Burning Kiln, the first year was? 2010. Okay. So the longest, as far as I can see here, is... is this uh, is Vineland. Vineland oh, no, starts, it's right, culinary. And Culinary would culinary, be the longest. Ten, the okay. Longest, yes. So then you are the man who really... And then you work at Cornerstone. At What, what year is that? Uh, I did a couple of years just for them. And, and I will a little bit consult, but this wasn't really... I, I don't... For me, consulting, just telling people what to do, this is... I was doing. This not, all those wineries, it's not just I was consulting. Yeah. I was doing everything. I didn't tell anybody to do it. I was doing. Got it. And with my 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 staff, we were going from winery to the winery to. Do and it. for Cornerstone, you were the winemaker there or consulting? Uh, I did all both. Okay, because yeah. that was my first experience with Big Head was going to visit. Well, that's that's what Jerry I was going to say. Jerry at Cornerstone, and then having Sam, who still works with you, yes, take me out back. Yeah. To the the Big Head complex, and uh, I still but, I still remember what those wines. But before taste we like. get into Big Head, I I I, I want to cover one more big step that you make for the Ontario wine industry, which is the Apacimento. 
which you kind of bring it into the idea of, of using a kiln, don't you? It's yes. Well, uh, Alain Crispino, which he, he's the yeah. owner of, I mean, he just sold it. Uh, Foreign Affair, yeah. Foreign yeah. Affair. Now and by, uh, he's a good, good, yeah. good, good friend of John Howard. Yeah. And uh, so he asked John who can make wine for him. And because I was making wine for John, he said, why don't ask Andre? And uh, that's why we get together. And at that time, 2006, when I did wine for him, I did actually organized crime. The same first wine uh, started for, for, for Megalomaniac, also at organized crime. And John built it a year later, his, his, his cellar. So, and, uh, but Len wants, because he's been in Italy from the, you know, from the government, uh, some trade relating, mm -hmm. and, uh, and he was based in Milan, which is about an hour and a half from uh, Veneto. Mm -hmm. And he loved Amaroni style. Yes. And uh, particular Quinterelli. He was make, making wine, wine, wine from the Bordeaux grapes and the, you know, the, the Azero, which is the Cabernet Franc. Mm -hmm. And he said, the only thing what he can dry is Cabernet Franc. Mm. But he had vineyard, 40 acres on a, on a, uh, in, in Vineland, Moyer Road, and the, the Cap Franc, he had maybe not even two acres. And the rest was Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, Petit Verdot, and uh, Marlot. So after 2006, I did six barrels for him, uh, Cabernet Franc, and I uh, did some white, just not a Passimento Sauvignon Blanc. And uh, there was just a few barrels, as I this kind of making just wine for, for himself. And uh, then he said, I want to do much more wine, and I want to open winery. Oh, okay, okay. I think we've got one step ahead of ourselves. So when someone like Len approaches you and says, I want to do this Italian style of winemaking in Canada, nobody's doing it. Where do you, where do you start? How do you know where to start to do the process? Because I, I, I mean, we, we have a lot of humidity that we have to deal with, even with, yes. the, even with the, the great microclimate that we have here. You, you can't just leave grapes out to dry under the, the Italian sun. Like... Like how do you, the Ontario Sun? Yeah. <laughs> like how, how do you how do you, how do you know where to start? Yeah. Well, the the drying process in 2006, he was more responsible. But I saw what they did, and there was lots of problems with that. Okay, because the the, the way and there was labor intense so much. Because he was the, doing it naturally, right? He was doing it in a room. In, in a room, yeah. but lots fence. Yeah. Lots of fence, yeah. and he tried to you know, he didn't you know he didn't have experience with that. Of Correct. course. So uh, when he asked me to do wine and he wants to do more, I said, you know what, we have to go to Italy. I want to see it, how they done it. And by the way, we didn't the first Apacimento. Okay. The first in Ontario, Canada, did Magnota. That's oh. right, in Notrium. Notrium. In Notrium, that's right. And uh, they did in 2001, I believe, first. Yes, that is true. Sorry, I, that's, that's, my, that's my mistake. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I forgot about so, that. But so I mean, you're the I first to use kilns. Yeah, well, the kilns, so I, I will go to that, why we did the kiln, because they were in kiln. But the, so when we went to Italy together, and I saw what they were doing there and how they're doing, you know, and uh, I said to, to Len, 
if you want to be different, we don't be big, you know, kind of notice because what happened with the Magnota, nobody paid attention to that. Mm. They did just one wine, couple hundred cases, and that's it. And they didn't really, you know, you know, put lots of effort to market that. So when we went to Italy, I, I, I look at what, what they were doing there. I said, you know, if you want to be different, let's do every fruit, what you grow, we're going to do a passimento. Some full, some partial, but that method is in they're doing in Italy. And uh, he was kind of, uh, wasn't sure, he said, listen, if something happens, you fall, you remember that. And I said, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, I will take responsibility. And uh, so when we, you know, it was 2007, and we were there in July, right away we came back, I, I you know, he bought the equipment, mm -hmm. And it was a little bit scrambled because I have to, you know, go in from winery to another winery to, to, to process because we didn't have a press yet and uh, just have a few tanks and that's it. So, uh, and after, you know, the 2007 vintage was also very good vintage yes. in Niagara. And uh, so there was, I believe it was a big success. People started paying attention. And uh, we did so every fruit. So 2007 was the first year that Foreign Affair went full of Passamento. Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and every fruit has some part, you know, part of Passamento. Even Riesling, we did Passamento. Chardonnay, and uh, 10, 20 percent. You know, to a little bit intense. And so to put his style as a Passamento producer. But what makes you think of using a, a an old tobacco kiln? So tobacco kiln. Uh, the time when I did for foreign fair, I didn't use the tobacco kiln. We used just barns and put the graves there and lots of fans, the humidifiers. But the tobacco kiln uh, in 2008 already approached me, uh, people from uh, Simcoe area, which are known for tobacco. Correct. And uh, so they, they asked me to, to meet them. You know, I went to, to Simcoe and, uh, and looked around and they showed me the area. And I saw those kind of like containers, trailers, you know, sitting yes. there because I have no clue about tobacco. And uh, I asked them, what what are you guys doing with this? They said, well, they're drying tobacco there. I said, really? Oh, can I see it? So they showed me how they do it. I said, wow, this is perfect. Why we don't use that in that area in drying process in tobacco? But not the same way they're doing tobacco, but they're using heat. And uh, we don't want to do Madeira. No. We want to do a, a passimento. So just because they have a big fan and coming from the floor, uh, blowing the tobacco, so that they're doing the same with the, with the grapes. And it works perfect. You know, just, just common sense that uh, why not? And so this is, that's why I came with, the, with tobacco. Got it. So uh, what I think we should do is we should get into the, uh, the project you're at now. Uh, I think we should bring it now to the present. Are we okay with that, Andre? Yep, and I, I think I know how we can kick it off, but I, I, I do want to, I have two quick questions before we move on to what you're doing now. Yeah. Your favorite vintage ever in Ontario? So I'm going over 25 years. 2017. 2007. Okay, interesting. And your favorite winery to work with? Wine. Work. Winery to work for. Oh, what was your favorite winery? 
Oh. Besides your own, because we haven't talked about your own, but of these 11... That's such a dick question. I know. Yeah. What was your favorite well, one? For me, you must have had a great it, year at one of them, well, and you're like, well, that was it. Well... Legends, uh, you win uh, the huge uh, awards. You know, when you start working you know, in the startup winery, you have uh, that kind of, uh, oh, you want to do the best, and yep. you're starting them. Because always for me, the first impression is very important. And this is business, you know, who, who those people invest so, so much money. So I want to make sure is that that is done well. And uh, all the wines, when I make wine for anybody, was sold. They never okay. kept it. They always sold. So that's, I did my job. Okay. And uh, saying that from which wine are, oh, of course, the first one was my first legends that year. I was so excited doing my, my first time on my own, responsible to buy everything. And it was, you know, 2002 was great vintage also. And so and I was, you know, excited. I work, you know, I, I spend more time at the wineries than home. I was, you know, 20 hours a day, 17 hours a day. Well, because I love it. You know, I was okay. just excited. And what was coming out of that was, was unbelievable. But uh, also, you know, I mean, uh, organized crime, you know, fielding, or, Burning <laughs> kidneys, different. I, 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 had I, mean, feeling, I had a feeling we weren't going to get just yeah, one. Yeah, we were going to get just one. But, but, but can, you know, everything, what I did, I, I was always excited. Why 2017 as your favorite vintage ever? What was so great about 2017 well, for you? I would say, because, you know, 2007 was great, 2002, but I don't think we, I had that experience. And saying also in industry here, we had that experience. So, this is the one that most people are calling the, the miracle the miracle harvest yes. because it rained all summer and then September first uh, somebody but, but, threw but a switch. You look at look at last year, two thousand eighteen. It was the opposite of the opposite. miracle summer. Well, it was very hot summer, but it was disaster because we had some rain. It was too much humidity. People couldn't handle the humidity. Two thousand seventeen we had lots of rain but it was cooler. And that disease didn't didn't you know, spread it so much. Actually, the fruit was better condition. Was perfect condition actually. Huh. 2007 also was very hot, but not as humid. 18 was too much humidity, and this was uh, it was challenge last year. I mean, I'm ha happy what we have, and I had to approach different way to make wine. Because what you know in, in Niagara here, we have to adapt ourselves to every vintage. We can't, you know, saying next year is gonna. I even I write what I did last year. This <laughs> nothing. nothing, nothing. No, because next year I had to do different. Um, no. We should get another wine in our, yeah. our glass so we can we can talk this. Um, the sparkling. It's interesting how the wild ferment uh, characteristics really come through, but it's still just lifted and nice and they went complex. To, oh. it's, it's it's a very tasty, very tasty sparkling wine. So uh, after 20 months, we sent to decanter. We got 91 points for this one. Okay. So it was also like silver medal, well, which is pretty good. It's a tasty uh, little wine. Yeah. <laughs> as, as sparklings are apt to be. <laughs> so and uh, so the next. This is my first sparkling, actually. Okay. For, for for big head. Well, this was meant not for big head. This was meant for colonel. And this is from their vineyard. This is single vintage, but we didn't put the vintage. Okay. It's just for saving the, the label. Okay. And you put the year, you cannot use them yeah, anymore. You can't use that label again. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why, you know, on a budget, you know, we want to save this much money. So, Tell people to write it on themselves. Yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, this is actually 2012 vintage. Okay. Was, you know, hard vintage, of course. Yeah. And the uh, fruit is from, from uh, culinary. And uh, I did for them, but uh, the owner didn't like this, the, the bottle. Really? They didn't like the bottle? The, the shape. Okay. They want to use this bottle, actually. Oh, it's more of a Prosecco kind of bottle. Yeah, so, and actually the crook is similar to that. Okay. So, so that's why he said he wants to sell it. I said, you don't sell it to anybody. I'm buying. <laughs> okay. And the wine is beautiful. This is 60 yeah. Pinot 40 Chardonnay. So you ended up with this literally because someone didn't like, the owner didn't like the bottle. Well, this is what is really true. They didn't like, okay. they want to shape, they want to start it, you know, the, the, you know from the, the, their kind of yeah. you know, marketing. And uh, so I understand that. And, uh, but I love the wine. And I said, I, I'm going to buy it. Don't okay. sell it to anybody. And I, I'm buying it. I made it anyway, right? Yeah, so you know yeah. everything about it, yeah, right? So. Yeah, so this is 60 Pinot for Chardonnay, I said, from their vineyard. This is St. David's Bench. Okay. And... Uh, okay, so I, this, is, this, this should be interesting, because hot summer in one of the hotter locations in Niagara. Yeah, yeah. And the challenge, obviously, in a summer like that is holding your ass. Special, special for the sparkling, right? You yeah. wanted that acidity. Yeah. yeah. So, so you harvested this in August? Uh, uh, just... Yeah, end of August, beginning of, of, of you know, uh, September. Okay. And, uh, of course, you know, and uh, I've been in Champagne learning with, uh, you know, about the sparking. And uh, so He's taking a I did edit everything step by step, you know, have, you know uh, everything has to be handpicked and, uh, Thank you. and the press what how supposed to be oh, the wow. first so uh, okay I'm certain I'm certain I tasted this wine a couple of years ago when it was uh, available and it's just it has evolved nicely over the past couple of years lots of biscuity notes and there's a uh, well it's got like this this honey bit creeping yeah, through on the nose yeah so this wine wow. when, when uh, I received that wine after about 16 months it was because it was aging in the cellar, so I, I took over. And uh, the first side, this gorge, was 26 months. And also, we sent it to decanter and get 94 points. Okay. Now, because I have uh, all machines, so the same, I disgorged, you know, a few hundred bottles at a time. Because I had 3,600 bottles total of that wine. Okay. And so the, the last disgorging is. 60 months. So, 60. so this, is, this is 60 months. Did you still have more of this on sitting on leaves or is that it? 60 months? This is it. That's it. Okay. It, it's acid is perfectly balanced yeah. for a, a hot summer. This is really, really well made sparkling wine. Oh, right on point. Okay. But, but this is when to Melolactics, 80% of the, of the champagne going to Melolactic. Mm -hmm. And this is more of fuller style, not very crisp very high acidity, just, you know, nice. For me, wine, I suppose, when I want to drink the wine, I want to enjoy on the own. I don't have to have some food to, because it's too high acid, or the same like you have a salt and pepper. If, if it's, for me, the acid is like, like that, that. If it's too much, that means it's not balanced. Got it. So, it has to be. Right. Okay, so we're talking about Big Head now, which is where we are located here. 
when I first visited your winery when you were in the, the, the shed behind Cornerstone, everything was a passamento. You, you were 100% a passamento whites and, and reds. No, no, no whites. No whites, okay. No. But the reds are all 100% a yes. passamento. Yes. Now that you've got Big Head up and running, you mm. seem to be easing back a little bit on the apasamento and yes. a lot more, I guess, just harvest and, and you're doing other interesting things here. We've got a couple of amphoras in front of us, a couple of concrete uh, tanks that we don't see. I have uh, actually probably the most terracotta and amphora and we're doing the raw serious wines, which is natural fermentation uh, in a concrete. And yes, this is, this is more like a winery in Italy because of all the amphoras and the concrete tanks yes. and the and the, you've got a lot of stainless steel. So you've got a lot going on in here that's not just your usual, you know, barrels and uh, stainless steel. Uh, well, just to to uh, traveling tra traveling to to the to the Lazio, those wineries, and I mean to Europe, and. What I found also, my son, he, he's he's uh, taking you know the course and uh, for for his sommelier and uh, drinking lots of wine from all over the world, and uh, so he asked me that well, maybe we should do this, we should do that, <laughs> and uh, we try those wines, but uh, okay, so it's Jacob's fault. There's less apasamento and more of this other stuff going on. Uh, Exactly, and also, <laughs> and also it's influential. That, but it's kind of like when Len says it's all your fault that this passamento <laughs> thing goes to heck. Now yeah. we're blaming Jacob. Well, yeah. It's passing the buck. Yeah. I mean, if we're if we're being on from a marketing standpoint, though, it's it's hard when a winery when a winery is new. There's always a bit of buzz about it, but it's hard to keep that that freshness about it. And one of the things you've been really good with is every year there's something new. Like when the raw series came out a couple of years ago. It was really exciting. It's like, what's going on here? Like, this mm. is the this is the Apasamento guy doing that, and the sparkling wine coming out. So I, I think it's great that you're that you're doing that. But most importantly, the wines are tasting good, and they're being very well received by the the sommeliers in Toronto, which is another tough community to crack into, especially for Ontario wineries. Yeah, so you know, Jacob is very very uh, influential with what we're doing right now, and uh, and uh, but the. Uh, what he bring the wines, some the kind of geeky wines which he like, but I know maybe few people will like that. He is not going buying all the wine, so we have to make wine for everybody also, not just for him. So I take him to certain point what we can do, but going farther, I won't allow. Okay. 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 Makes sense. You know, because but I mean, what, we what, still what, have what to be, sell wine. But what would be going farther? I mean, we've already got it. Looks like just about. Oh, uh, see, for me, wine is like playing chess. It's endless what you can do with. We're doing wines for thousand years. The same. Is play, I used to play chess. Is is. Uh, I did too. Yeah. To, you know. Actually, I, back in Poland, I was in the league. I was the the. Representing promise in the chess. Okay, I'm not taking you on. I, yeah, okay. Just, I have a category, a category in the chess. So anyway, but the, so this endless we can do with wine. The same, you know, like is they playing chess for thousand years and still something coming with new, mm. and it's just bored, right? Yeah. And the same with wine. The wines making so long, and uh, there's still something coming. They're always changing. So what we can, and uh, so that's why I, I never bored. 
Never get bored with wine. Yeah, no, it's always I can. All right, let's let's check out. This is one that you were excited for. Yes, this is the one. Uh, so the reason that we have uh, the reason that we we, we have Pino. Andre on the podcast, besides you know his vast history. Well, you have me on the podcast because I'm here all the time. Well, that's then that's the unfortunate part. But I meant Mr. Lipinski, I guess. Um, Sorry, I've been waiting the whole podcast to make a bad joke like that. But when I when I was here seeing you uh, at the beginning of the year, Andre, you had said, "Oh, you've got to come back. Uh, I've got my first gamay coming out." And uh, Andre and I are huge fans of uh, gamay. Wait, are you talking about me or are you talking about him? I'm right talking now? about you now. Okay. And uh, for you to tell us, or for you to say that you have this new gamay coming out was very exciting to us. So why gamay? Um, finally. And yeah, tell us the story about how you ended up with Gamay. As I said, this is influence from Jacob also. Uh, he wants us to make Gamay. I never wanted to do Gamay before. Who was it again? Jacob. 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 Okay. It's Jacob. Jacob's fault. Yeah. Okay. So, and, uh, but the 2018 was tough vintage. <laughs> and uh, to Gamay, make Gamay, the acidity was quite high and they didn't want to ripe. You then this know, is carbonic, carbonic maceration again, This is right? 100% carbonic, so we did 100% carbonic, and uh, for first about seven days we didn't touch, we just put CO2 in a tank, closed tank, and after we start pumping over, in about three weeks, we distend and put skin back for the structure. So first we want to work on the, on the aroma, and after we want to say for the structure and the, for the color, to get a bit of color. Now, acidity is quite high, but the uh, Treadwell organized the, the tasting. They had a dinner with the, all the Gamay, I mean, Bourgeois, uh, and there was big producers for Bourgeois, the, the battles were the one at the top. And I wasn't really impressed for one reason. Maybe, you know, because for me, Gamay is supposed to be fresh, mm -hmm. nice acidity, and what I noticed, they trying to make gamay very big, like almost California Pinot Noir, 14 and a half alcohol, big, robust. And we have those wines already. Okay. Why we want to make something like that from all those wines? So we want to have, you know, variety. And gamay for me, this is what I understand supposed to be gamay. And I don't know if I'm right, I'm wrong, but this is what I like. And also, the acidity is quite high, but we try to work to cover that acidity. I don't want to reduce acidity because then the wine won't be taste very, very nice if you reduce unofficial kind of acid. So I start to work with that acid. And uh, so we put in terracotta. This, oh, okay. in the, for four months almost was in terracotta to wine breathe more. So we can, we can uh, soften that and uh, get a little bit fullness concentrate because terracotta was really going to be we're losing every day. I had to tap up. The terracotta, a liter, liter and a half, in fifteen hundred. Every day. Every day. Well, so, you you had you had Sam pour it for us in the Pinot Noir glasses. Yes. I know, Michael, you switched to the glass that we had rosé in, so yeah. a little bit more of a white wine glass. Uh, what were you getting on the Pinot glass that you needed to make the switch? Well, I get um, so the I, I get the acidity. And I really wanted to, I wanted to keep it in there. And I've always found a Pinot glass because there's a lot of acidity in Pinot and Chardonnay mm -hmm. that it the Pinot glass is meant to soften some of that acidity up a little bit. Okay. I wanted to try and keep it in there. 
Um, so that's why I used the smaller shaped glass. Okay. Uh, I, I really like that acidity, and it also brought out a little bit more of the fruit. I, I actually, uh, I made the switch after you made the switch because in the Pinot glass, it really is like it's it's double bubble bubble gum. Yeah. On the nose, like like full on double bubble, but on the palate, it's a, a lot darker, a lot heavier. It's got the, the great acidity, but the more traditional gamay flavors and the carbonic maceration nose is really there. It's an interesting wine. So which glass did you like it out of, Andre? I actually liked it good out of, I liked it just fine out of both. I did too. I just wanted, I wanted to get a little more of that acidity that you were talking about, and I thought that I, I, uh, by, 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 sh by shortening up the glass <laughs> or thinning it up, I got more of that acidity, and it's a great, I think it's a great food wine. Yeah. Fantastic. This, this is, that's why we charge $25. Yeah. About all that, it's just the 200 cases of yeah. this. And uh, I want to see how they receive the, mm. the public. The, so the bottle says it's VQA Niagara Peninsula. Where is most of the fruit from? This is pretty much from uh, Niagara on the Lake. Actually, behind is from Winds. Oh, okay. And yeah. behind 20B. Oh, really? Behind okay. 20Bs, okay. Yeah, yeah wow. the Got it. And, uh, but it was tough, and especially that year. I mean, Pogamei, you know, there is. The, I would like to hang up much longer. Yeah. But he would lose all the fruit. Yeah. So we have to pick. Correct. So you pick before the rain or after the rain? Uh, kind of between, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and because uh, Gamay is usually mid-October. Yeah, yeah. We have to do much earlier than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because. Yeah, if you can longer, he will lose all the vineyards. So is this something that you're going to be trying to do again in uh, this year, in 19, and then again yeah, in 20? Yeah, so yeah. Something you're, this is a yeah. style you're going to continue to yeah. try. Okay. And, uh, well, style, this is what I had. Okay, so you do, this is what you're, you, this is the style. This year, next yeah, year, you're going to do Gamay again? Gamay, but, maybe but in a different style. Different style. The, the, what the fruit I'm going to receive. Got it. I, I try to, we, we, you know, with my, my, my assistant, and uh, with my crew, we try to make wine what the vintage give it to us. Got it, okay. And I believe you can make beautiful wines from each vintage. Even they cross us that it's not supposed to be good vintage, but you can make beautiful wines from, from each one. That, and they're going to be different, but doesn't mean that they are discount. That's a vintage variation in that area. And that's our promo clip right there. The, yeah. Like great words of wisdom. Uh, we got two wines left to taste here. What, what are we going to serve the Shannon in? Yeah, so Shannon is the, those glasses. So this is our Ross series. Okay. 2017 vintage. So the raw is, is a is relatively well. You said sixteen is when yeah. you started. Yes. So so what is what is your idea behind raw? Ura means first of all, of course, natural ferment, uh, concrete. So no any old flavors, nothing, just concrete. And there isn't concrete because I want the wine to be involved to breathe. Concrete is, is porous. Wine breathes to the concrete, and uh, and unfiltered. Okay. And concrete is raw. Of course, right. that's why we call them raw series. Okay. And none of the raw series wines see any oak, right? No. Okay. No. No. And, 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 and they're, un they're all unfiltered. Unfiltered. All wild ferment. Wild ferment. So this, because 2017 was kind of wet year, summer, mm -hmm. we had lots of potritis, but good potritis. It's got almost a, like a Riesling kind of nose, that tried this Riesling. But, but the floral, like it's... It's a different kind of floral than like the Clone 49 Alsace that you get. It's certainly not a, a floral you'd get for Vice 21. 
Uh, Definitely, it's not a Riesling palette in any way. Shape, no, form. it's it's like honey, mm, beeswax, and it's almost pushing into caramel with white flowers. So I actually to to compare that because you mentioned about Riesling, we make 2018 Riesling. Yes. Raw. Okay. So you will see the difference between Chenin Blanc oh, I think and Riesling. Andre, I think he's going into a tank. Yes. I think this is the first time we've ever done a, a podcast where someone's gone into a tank to get us a, a, a sample. Man, the um, the balance with the bit of residual sugar on the finish of this, like it is, it's my I'm salivating. I I couldn't spit out that that mouth as soon as it hit the back palate. It just it was saying, okay, Andre, we're we're going down. We're not coming out of the That's out of the cup. That's what she said. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's just like everything about this wine is just screaming. Second sip, second sip, second glass. Like this is. You mentioned really about the sugar. Yeah. What do you think the sugar is here? 10, 10 grams per liter. It's below four grams. You gotta be kidding me. Because the viscosity, because you know the the alcohol is over thirteen percent alcohol. That that aroma. People thinking on the head right away because that's I, why I don't, I don't, I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't believe it. I can it. show you in the in the in okay. the lab test. Okay, so, you know what? After, after we're done recording, yeah. you're gonna show us. I'll yeah. take a picture of yeah. it and we'll include it on yeah. the blog post yeah. for this. Sure. Because this, this is, I, love that. I love that acidity though. Like, like it's, it, 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 as you said, that viscosity in the mid palate. It's really thick in the mouth, but then it it goes through the mouth and then boom, you're you're, you're salivating and you're like. Where did where did the thickness go? Like it's not thick on the on the on the swallow. But yes. also this went to merolactic, natural as well, hundred percent. Yeah, the acidity is fantastic because it just cleans the mouth up, and as as you said, Andre, it's like you want another sip. And the reason you do is because it finishes so clean and with so much acidity that you want to follow what it up. This? And the, the saliva. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, you got so much saliva going <laughs> on that you're like, I gotta I gotta get rid of it with that viscosity, and then boom, it hits you with that acidity. So that's. This is a great dichotomy kind of wine, right? So you get that thickness and then that kind of thin, acidic finish mm. that, that you know. This, this, this is this is sort of a perfect um, like nerds wine from Ontario, though, because this is something that really doesn't need an instruction manual to be enjoyed by everyone. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting, funky wines, like even something like a wild ferment. You may need to explain why it, it smells the way it does or tastes the way it does. But I could you can pour this sort of wine for anyone. And they'll enjoy it and understand it. And when you tell them how it's made and how it's made differently from maybe more commercial wines, it just makes it more exciting. So we've just been handed a, another glass by Sam. Hi, Sam. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Thanks, man. So this is a Riesling yes. from 18, yes. I think you said. And so what we did, because the 18 was tougher here, I did carbonic fermentation. <laughs> We picked very late in November that fruit because, and, uh, and we did lots of sorting, cost us lots of money uh, to do the, the, you know, picking by hand and sorting of that fruit. It's lots of potritis here also, but yeah, we did yeah. for about 10 days carbonic fermentation. We didn't touch, just fermented in the skin, very cold. So about 8, 10 degrees Celsius. And it's, after 10 days, we have about 1% alcohol, a little bit over 1.5%. Then we press and finish fermenting in the concrete. But it's dry below also 4 grams because not, never, what I found, the natural fermentation never ferment to zero. 
always a couple grams left, which you cannot ferment that. That's why if it would be over 10, 12 grams, I have to filter wine. Because okay. we still start fermenting. Okay, okay, okay. I understand. Or so that's below that two, three wait, grams. Wait, so no, no sulfur in these wines either? They have sulfur. Okay. Just sulfur I, I have to, I found that we have a wine unfiltered. But if I think wine milky and that for me, you wine maker. Yeah. You have to do this is professional. Yeah, you gotta finish you, you gotta fix that up. Fix you have to do the job. Yeah. Okay. So how soon until you bottle this Riesling? In September. Okay, so it'll sit in the This is already see unfiltered, but look at the clear clarity of this wine. Yep. It's got a lot of color like it's really like golden yellow. It's golden yellow. It looks like an older Riesling. Yeah. It looks like it should be But older. when you smell, when yeah. you taste, it's lots of freshness. Yeah, there's lots of freshness. And there's the, also um, salinity here. Yeah, like yeah and the, that, that sort of, I haven't found a better tasting note for it yet. I'm working on it, but that uh, that Niagara funk that you get from the indigenous ferment is um, really more front and center in this than it is on the Shannon. I, I think I think with the Shannon, the botrytis has really helped to um, Shake hands mm -hmm. with the with the wild ferment characteristics, or with the riesling, it's sort of like we're wild. Yeah. Th this one has more of a linger as well on on the palate, whereas the Chenin was big in the mouth and it falls off the table, but with lots of saliva and lots mm -hmm. of acidity. This one is kind of linear in the fact that it's it well, it's it starts off thin and then gets thicker through the mouth and finishes with like mouth coating, I can still taste it. Like it's got a long finish to it. Yep. Okay, so we got one last wine to taste before so, we wrap up and here. what alcohol also, 13.3. 13.3, so. That's in the Riesling? Riesling. Yeah. So Sam is back here, he's got uh, three more glasses. A little Sam's bit bigger. Drinking. It's too early for Sam. Yeah, I already had it. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> I already tasted it, so. <laughs> okay, look at the color on that. Because this is the, this should be the Syrah, I think that's what we were talking about. Yep. And the 17. This is 17? Correct? Yes. So 17 Syrah. And where and do you get your fruit from for that? This is from uh, actually the same who have a Lasso Creek site uh, from Rick Smith. And it's just beside his house. Fruit. We picked that. This is not Apacimento also. The 17 ripes very nice. And uh, this is concrete whole cluster carbonic fermentation. And this is free run. So we didn't press that. This is free run to the concrete. Okay, so the tennis, what you have here is more from the stem because we kept it over three weeks. So the cold, so cluster. Cold, cluster. cold cluster. Okay, and, uh, and this is deeper color than what we press yeah, after it's... our, our uh, Serra Select. So first, the first thing you get is that smoky, meaty note right, right from the get-go. For me, when I, 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 I smelled that first, it was like that you cut nice piece of beef, piece of uh, beef, yep. that's bloody beef, kind of with the kind of steely, you know, aroma. I get a little licorice on this too, a little black licorice. There's some, there's some really nice, just, just aromas that, that just, you could probably smell this all day and yeah. get a, like yeah. a different smell each and every time you shove your nose into it. When it's we still like a very clean, clean yeah. nose. It's almost, here's the thing is, it's, it's, it's almost pulling, pulling, no, I'm not gonna say almost, there's some vanilla on the nose, mm -hmm. which is really weird because you'd expect that to come from barrel. a barrel. But like there's definitely some vanilla once you get past that smoke and the meatiness. And then there's that grittiness from the tannins once you get it on your palate. 
Yes, so the this has got some spice, some spice to the finish as well. And this? So this is after three days old. Oh, so okay. I've just been handed a glass yeah. of uh, three days old yeah. Syrah. Yeah. The same vintage? Or the same wine? Same wine, okay. three days old. So. You know the the meaniness is still there, so it's held on to uh, to its nose uh, a little bit uh, a little bit softer, but not. The vanilla's gone though, and yeah. it's been replaced with like berry berry fruit. Yeah. So you see the the potential of that wine to age is quite quite big, because that bottle wasn't full and uh, it was three days open. Tannins are still there, fruits still there. Meaniness vanilla's on the, the finish now. Vanilla's moved from the nose to finish. <laughs> Wow, that's really good. This 13.8 alcohol, because get very good review about this wine, and uh, they did the tasting in Toronto with the Syrah from from many high, you know, uh, known producer from all over the world, mm -hmm. and they they choose this one as a top in November after movie some three. There's a nice there's a nice black pepper note that's just kind of yep. lingering on that finish. It's, uh, yeah. Great job on this. Also was awarded gold medal Ontario Wine Awards and also Lieutenant Governor Awards. Well, there you go. You're doing a great job here, Andre. I don't, yeah. I don't know what else to say to you. And thank you very much for uh, sitting down with us to talk about your, oh, your history. Pleasure. I think we, I can't believe we went through the entire uh, and we hit every wine at least line. twice. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, well, I guess, upcoming vintages. I know you. Oh, we, I guess one thing. I don't know if we're saying this on the podcast. You have a couple of up-and-coming projects. Are we saying anything about that yet? Yeah, actually, the, uh, we do open new winery, and it's going to be in Binant, Sherry and King, and we call that winery Eukarya. The start digging in July. Okay, and you're calling it what? Eukarya. E U K A R Y A. Eukarya. Yes, this is Latin. Yes. Mean the natural. Mean the the, so the is animal. A, is this a second winery for you? Or yes. So you have Big Head and Eukarya. Yes. And that's your winery as well. This I have a partner. Okay. And Eukarya, the Big Head is just family winery. Got it. And uh, we have a partner there, which is the Franco Miso, and uh, we have 50 partners. We started five years ago. We bought that. So this piece. will be the 12th winery. Much, yeah. Yes, is that right? Did, yeah. did we include Big Head in the in the list, Andre? That's number twelve. That yep. is number twelve. All right, we'll look forward to you carry on that. I can't wait yeah. to the baker's dozen. Yeah. All right. Well, cheers. Thank you for cheers. coming by. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Andre Squared. The mark that Andre Lipinski has made on the industry in Ontario is uh, indisputable. But my big takeaway from that podcast is what we learned about winemaking in Poland. Because I asked the question innocently based on what I learned on my trip to Poland. I was not expecting like a real lengthy answer about that. So I think I think I might need to make my way to Poland to look for some vinifera. Well, he's he obviously knows because you know people seek him out. It's a small community, and that's and they're looking for a guy who you know speaks the language. One hundred percent. Will knows about winemaking. I, I, uh, my takeaway was just how many wineries he has helped yep. start up. And that is just, it is, you know, it's one of those moments where uh, earlier today somebody sent me that, you know, uh, little emoticon with somebody's mind blowing up. 
And it really was mind-blowing. Eight wineries or something that he has helped or yeah. had a hand in helping them open their doors. Yeah. That's huge. And 100%. I think that's, that's almost even bigger than you know just one person starting a winery. This yep. is eight wineries that he has gone, all right, I'm here. I'm here to help you. And, and whether he stays one year, two years, four years, he's there to make sure that they get off the ground. You know, and, and it's, I think it's really important to see, I, I think one of the reasons why the wines Andre makes are so exciting is he's really forward thinking. And you can hear that in the podcast is he's not content, you know, hitting the recipe and recreating it every year. He's always looking for something new to do. And um, he talked about his son, Jacob, in the podcast a couple of times. I think we need to have Jacob on the podcast just to talk a little bit, because uh, he's another really interesting dude in the industry and to hear about the influence he's had on his dad and the winemaking at Big Head. I think it would be a really fun conversation to kind of get to get the Jiminy Cricket to the to the it's, Pinocchio. It's, there. it's interesting because he wants to push this way and his father wants to push him this uh, pull this way and it's an interesting so they end up with the, the but the, but the wines of Big Head are are, are, are are you and I have been I think a little bit critical of the Apassamento method but the raw series Apassamento Reds done in concrete hexagons if that's the future of a passamento, the future's in good hands. He knows what he's doing, that's for sure. 100%. So, I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to his, his new property. I'm looking forward Me to his, I'm always looking forward to his new wines. Um, and I'm always looking forward to talk to Andre. He's just <laughs> oh, so wait. much fun. Oh, well, every time I say I want to speak to Andre, I speak to you enough. I'm I know. Lipinski. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I we should so. make yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyways, I'm Andre Prue from underwinereview.ca. Patreon. Patreon, two guys talking wine. Help us out. Think about it. We'd really appreciate the uh, appreciate the support. We'd appreciate your dollar, your two dollars, your three dollars. Yeah, we doesn't take a lot. It does not. Cup of coffee, and for a month, like I mean, like a month's cup of coffee. We just got an espresso. Those are pretty expensive. I, I, if I could get my wife to give up an espresso, just one per day. Who are you? Oh, I. You really want to know? I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. And as always. And you are? I already said it. Did you? I did. I don't think you did. Andre Proof under WineReview.ca. Well, I wanted to give you another plug. Good night! Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.